Hey, folks. Thank you for dropping by Kaiser's Castle. Castle Talk Radio on PSN Radio. The only place that you'll find Kaiser Talk or Castle Talk Radio. Uh, grab a seat on my big orange couch. Grab yourself a coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation, whatever tickles your fancy. And get ready to listen to whatever's going to drop out of my largest uh, oral cavity tonight. And uh, we'll have a good show. But I did want to talk with uh, Angel for a little while over his last guest, Mr. Rogers. And uh, I remember years ago, I believe it was back when Nancy and and the gang, when we were all talking on uh, um, PSN, but it was um, um, Bella Haven, uh, that you had told the story about... uh, Travis Walton and then your uh, um, story about seeing the orb or whatever floating and then taking off real quick. I remember that when when we yeah. were talking years ago. Well, it was actually on Future Theater. Bella Haven was a different uh, show that the, the, um, the Nancy did. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, that conversation happened on Future Theater, uh, which uh, it was, you know, in, in back in California in the 80s. And uh, I didn't, you know, as a kid, you never, you know, when you don't know the subject of UFOs, you just see in movies and fantasy and stuff, but you know, you don't really perceive that this stuff can be real. You know, when you see something, you know, sometimes you ignore it, or I just took it as, you know, probably like a weird airplane or something. Uh, but this thing was literally hovering there, and then it just shot off directly into the sky. And it was not so much an orb, but there was an orb in the center, and it was more like a uh, triangular-shaped object with an orb center. And uh, which, I mean, to this day, I've never seen anything uh, even remotely close to that in uh, any of the aircrafts uh, that um, I've seen from government official aircrafts. Uh, so, I mean, it's still otherworldly in that sense. But when I was a kid, I didn't think too, you know, to to the nail about it. I just didn't really think about it until I saw fire in the sky and I saw it say based on a true story. And I was like, wait a second. You mean this is not science fiction. This is something that people are actually experiencing for real. And I hadn't seen communion or anything like that. My uh, only uh, experience when it came to, you know, aliens were Star Wars, Star Trek, and uh, a handful of you know B movies and and stuff like that at the time. E.T. you know was a, a big one, but again, all in the realm of sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, nothing that I I ever saw as being realistic because you know you're, you're not taught that when you go to church and you're indoctrinated by certain things and uh, so that was always just uh, you know a movie. And then when I saw it for myself, I dismissed it. And then I saw based on a true story on that movie fire in the sky and that really opened my mind to researching a little a little bit more and uh you know i've like i said on the show i've been really lucky to get travis uh steve pierce and now mike rogers on my uh show inside the jackal's head and uh what a great hour and a half with uh with mike i mean what a really nice man and a fascinating human i mean he, he has so much uh, that we can talk about when it comes to like who he is as a person, besides the event itself that happened in '75. 
Uh, I mean, the, the amount of stuff that he could cover from martial arts to, uh, you know, illustrations of art uh, itself. Uh, the book, it was illustrated by him, which I didn't know uh, until recently. I didn't realize that. Uh, but Travis's book, he was, uh, Mike Rogers was the illustrator on it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the dude is a, a very, very smart individual. And uh, uh, that was a fun hour. Uh, it really was. Oh, I thought so. I found it quite enjoyable, brother. I tell you, yeah. uh, it was it was nice to hear the interaction between you two because when you guys when you get on a roll with a guest, I remember the Travis Walton interview. I believe that's still up on SoundCloud. That was what in, the one I saw or listened to back in the day, and that was during that era. It was what 2015, 2014, somewhere around there. Well, I had him on originally before that once. Uh, in fact, uh, when I started doing podcasting seriously, seriously, uh, he was on the list of the top uh, two or three individuals I wanted to interview. And I was really uh, blessed with having him on. Stan Friedman was on that list, and I was able to have him on also. Kevin D. Randall uh, was another gentleman I wanted to have on, and I was able to have him on. So I was like, oh, man, I'm on a roll, you know? And uh, Travis was really, really cool, and, uh, you know, I loved uh, every moment of him being on that show. And then I had him on again on the uh, uh, later on in the show, and then we had him on, I believe, Skywatchers. That's what it was, and, yep. Yeah, yep. and uh, th- then he was on, um, I think he might have been on Future Theater, but it's been so many shows I can't really uh, confirm or deny that. But I think at some point he might have been on Future Theater with Bill and Nancy also. Uh, but I mean, he, he's a very nice individual also when you talk to him off air, uh, you know, he is very polite and humble. Uh, I find that a lot of these guys are just like that. They're just very nice, polite, you know, individuals, uh, and they've gone through hell over the years. I mean, it, it, their story is, uh, one that when you look into it, you're like, my goodness. I mean, these, these guys have been put to the ringer, uh, from being charged as murderers, uh, to having to take lie detector tests. Uh, having, uh, you know, uh, feds at their door, you know, from day and night uh, in surveillance uh, just to make sure that they're not trying to pull a fast one uh, over, you know, over them uh, because they were suspicious of every one of them. And these are guys that didn't really have a criminal record. You know, they, they were just uh, good old boys uh, and they were loggers and uh, they were just doing their job. And uh, it's amazing what their story has become where we're talking about in the show where Mike has been, like, literally all over the world talking about this story in the last uh, 40 years. And it's been more than that. It's been, like, 45 years now, 46 so, years, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's amazing what they've been able to go through. Well, what's fascinating is, I mean, I can see the initial five days that uh, Travis was missing. But then once he got out, you know, his corroboration should have stopped any murder investigation federally. What did they think they were trying to do? Like, uh, make some money off of it or some weird crap. I mean, I I never really got that because I mean, unless you think they're, uh, confidence men or something like that, and they're pulling some weird scam. I don't think any of them got rich. I mean, the movie, they probably got some coin out of that or in the book. But, I mean, that's not really a confidence scheme. That's people telling a story, whether it's real or wrong. Yeah. I don't see that as a crime. You know what I mean? Well, no, not only that, they, 
They all stayed uh, working the same jobs for like 20 plus years after the event. It's almost 30 years. So they retired doing the same thing. It's not like these guys became millionaires off their story and went off to La La Land and, you know, became like elitist, you know, and started doing the conventions right away. I mean, now as they've gotten older and they've retired, uh, Travis does a lot of conventions. He had the uh, convention in Arizona a couple of years back. They ran for a couple of years. Uh, which is now, of course, you know, we're, we're all, like, kind of locked in for the last year, so I don't know if they're going to have another one anytime soon. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, he's done this circle uh, of conventions uh, for the last uh, few years. But, uh, you know, none of them got, you know, filthy rich off of the story, if, if anything. Uh, I'm sure they lost work because of it, because, you know, there's always that stigma, well, there's the UFO guys, you know, and, when you're working on the projects that, you know, like they are with their loggers, I'm sure the stigma at first was kind of like weird for a lot of the people that put, you know, their money behind these guys where you didn't know what you were going to get. So I'm sure that played into a factor also. Well, that could be. I mean, I don't really know that. But uh, to my way of reckoning, you know, there's a lot of unexplainable things people see in this world. I mean, you know, and this is Halloween getting close to that time and also close to the time of the new uh, season of the Mandalorian. And so, I mean, this is a time of, you know, many things can happen. It's just all Hollow's Eve, all, you know, all that stuff. Sam Hain, the festival of Sam Hain, it comes. And these are the times when uh, it's fun to tell a story and listen to something. But yeah, um, I just don't see, it's like Bob Lazar He's had nothing but problems legally, and honestly, what he did, he did. It's it's over with, and he. I don't think he's made any money off of that either. You know what I mean? So I I don't get where people, especially legally, unless you're defrauding somebody. You know, I just don't think. I mean, what they do? They uh, Travis Walton missed five days of work. You know. Yeah. What the worst they could say is they went out on a drunken bender, but there was the other four in uh, interrogated for four days and probably put through a living hell. I couldn't even imagine. You know, you've seen your bro sucked up into the sky. You honestly don't know what happened to him, and uh, just having the anal cavity exam that the state would do. I don't think the feds would instantly yeah. get involved because that is a state manner. I mean, what's your thoughts on matter? What's your what's your thoughts on that? No, definitely. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's a sensitive uh, subject. I'm sure when you were there at the moment, but now they all look at it and they and they kind of you know chuck a smile and laugh at it. But my goodness, I mean, what they were going through at that moment in time uh, was very tough. And like I said, I can only speculate about them losing work. Uh, but I mean, I, that, I'm sure at that moment, you know, there was still that big giggle factor when it came to the whole subject of abductions and alien, uh, you know, and all that stuff. So, I mean, they were facing, uh, you know, criticism left and right. And can you imagine, uh, that, you know, your job is to cut trees down and your, that's your basic income. And now people don't want to, you know, give you uh, work because, you know, you were put in a position where you didn't ask for it. It just kind of happened. You yeah, know, so. it's just a chance. It's it's a happenstance incident. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's like uh, 
you learned quick in Iraq or Afghanistan, you could be doing absolutely nothing at all in the first mortar round hits, and they always come in threes. And uh, it's all about a manner, matter of you standing at the same moment in time as that high-velocity uh, splinter off that mortar round that just blew up X amount of you know yards from you, bounces off something, and maybe cuts you in, in the stomach, you know, which is what happened to me. It's a totally arbitrary, you know, and that was in Iraq. So, I mean, you know, if you... And logging is a dangerous trade. I mean, I was a union iron worker, and besides falling or having something fall on you and crush you, I mean, I think the only thing uh, more dangerous than those two trades are is that uh, lobster fishing or crab fishing, whatever it was, the dangerous catch thing. That's about the last time I ever really saw any TV, and that was what, in the early 2005s or something like that when that was on? Roughly? Um, probably. I'm not sure. Couldn't yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it. Either that or it was on YouTube and I saw it. Only a couple episodes. But yeah, man, I mean, that's just constant. But, you know, war zone, anything can happen. So, you know, errant vehicle, whatever. But yeah, man, that's uh, that would be... I mean, I, I know the jokes that uh, we would razz each other about in both the military in contracting and also as a government employee, as a cop and whatnot. Um, I just know that, you know, anything can be made to be a joke. You know, if, if your partners and stuff, uh, uh, see something funny or, or whatever, they'll get you back. Or if you pull a prank on them, better bet one's coming back at you. Uh, I, I can tell you this one. This is a funny one. Uh, this one cat, uh, there was, we had this guy who was just a goofball, but he was a good guy, but he, he loved to play jokes on people and you could never walk away from your computer in the office. If, uh, without locking it out, if he was anywhere in the building. Okay. But sometimes he'd pop back into the building, you know, without calling in or anything. And he'd just roll in to go do some paperwork or whatever. As soon as he came in, people would say, Hey man, watch out. He's in. Well, this dude, uh, walked away from his uh, uh, computer, and this guy starts drafting an I love you M memo to the uh, rack, resident agent in charge. And he's like, uh, I want to confess my homosexual love for you, this, that, and the other. And uh, sends it, and this guy did this to everybody. He didn't get me. I was the only one he never got. And... Uh, Anyway, so the rack would do it the same the same way to everybody. What's up with this memo? You didn't lock your computer, did you? Violation of not locking your computer, but the rack realized everybody's going to forget sometimes. It wasn't a big deal, but this guy just really took advantage of it. And it was it's funny, you know, you got to go in front of the guy and, yeah, man, I know I did that, whatevs. And they're like, yeah, whatevs, but don't let it happen again. Gotcha. It won't. And it's over with. Well, this guy was pissed that this dude did it. And it's the most hilarious story. Uh, this is back in the day. What was this? 2003. Yeah, I hadn't been on that with that agency very long. So it was about 2003. And uh, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, there was a mail order, uh, something called Mambla, Man Boy Love Association. This guy 
got that other guy a uh, one-year membership to their magazine and had Ooh, it sent to the office. So oh, yeah. <laughs> had it sent to the office. Uh, this guy, uh, we all knew who did it, but the guy, the, the guy having it done to him couldn't prove it. And then when summertime came, I was leaving when he, this first started happening and I found out what happened afterwards. But, uh, as, as I was getting ready to head for something I was going to do, uh, it was hilarious, man. Dude had drove his Harley in and he had replaced, he had one of those, um, like a chain looking license plate cover for your motorcycle on the back of it. And, uh, he replaced it with a, uh, rainbow license plate cover on the back of his bike. And the hijinks just went off from there. I, I don't, I wasn't there for the rest of it, but I know they finally put the other guy in a different agency. The one who got, got the, uh, Mambla membership and stuff, even though he didn't do it. And uh, so it, that was pretty funny. That was actually pretty funny. But that was cold blooded. Uh, <laughs> that was. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because the, the guy, you know, that. Hey, why'd you get on my computer, bruh? I'm gonna show you. And uh, but that's the kind of shit people do. Like uh, one time, I, I did something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. I left my locker unlocked. Motherfuck, come in. First, I know something's wrong. I didn't realize I left my locker unlocked. And uh, it's backwards. And I had a combination lock. So I had to flip it upside down. And you know how much fun that is doing your combination upside down. And, I can uh, only imagine the horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Open it up. All my shits uh, all over my locker. And somebody's taken my uh, uh, shaving cream and just sprayed it all over all my shit. So it's like I'm glad I brought my bag in of clothes that I had taken back, you know, and I was getting ready. I'd just gotten out of the gym. I come in there, open my locker into the uh, room we had, and I was like, motherfuckers. So I had to put all that shit in my bag, take everything that needed washed back home to wash it, and I was like, I got you, boys. I got you. And I found out who the culprit was. And uh, I reeved up a chicken neck, or not a chicken neck, a turkey neck. It was around Thanksgiving time. Yeah, it was the end of uh, 2003, around Thanksgiving. And I reeved that turkey neck up under his seat. And then come about the springtime, you know, everybody's going to work, going to work, going to work. And this dude, like, man, I got this smell in my car in the springtime. It's just rotten. I can't find it. It's anywhere. Anyways, uh, <laughs> later on... It, in that summer, I'd gotten back from, uh, I think it was, uh, let me see, where was that? I was at at that time. I'd gotten back from uh, Sea Island. So it was 04. And I come in, and uh, dude's like, man, I'm going to find whoever did that. And, he, you know, I'm back, and there's like four other guys back, so he has to make it a point to make it loud. And, uh what what did what man and he goes well somebody put a damn turkey neck under and that smell i was smelling was that thing rotten in the summer or spring and uh i could smell it and you remember smelling my car i was like yeah man so that it was a turkey neck what the hell where where they put that why didn't you find that bastard reeved it up under the springs of my car and i was like oh he goes yeah when i pulled it out it just crumbled out you know it was rotten all the way through and dry I was like, man, that's cold-blooded. Well, that 
that motherfucker who put that turkey wing up was me, you know, and that was me who did that to his ass. And uh, that, that was all because I found out he put the shaving cream in my locker. Gotcha. I'll get you back. You left your car door open. Game on. It was funny, Angel. Or maybe not. And, 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 and bloody horrible. As a human being, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't know about Nebula until I saw it on South Park, and uh, I had a chuckle, and I was like, "This can't be real," and uh, sure enough, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I don't, I, I just remember the magazines coming in. Dude's like, "I didn't order them," <laughs> and, and I was like. What the, and all of a sudden I started thinking, oh, dude, I know who got you. That, that same dude that did that, uh, that left his computer open that got him with that one. This prick. <laughs> we had the flip phones. You remember the, uh, oh, I may have told this story before, but I don't think on here. Oh, we I know flip them, phones. Uh, I've had plenty of those over the years and, and flipped them and broke them. <laughs> so I well, know them pretty well. <laughs> yeah, these, these flip phones were... Uh, is back in what, That's what they were. <laughs> yeah, uh, they had uh, um, these ones were the flip phones that were the G G. Um, oh shoot, what um, GZ GZ ones. G's, they look like G zones, but it's GZ one. And uh, it was when they first came out, the first generation. So that would have been two thousand four. And uh, I had this flip phone, you know, and I was like, all right, and this is my work, not my work phone. It was my personal. And, you know, if you're out with somebody, your, part, your partner or whatever, you, you go out and, and let's say you got to go to the bank. Well, both of you go there. And, you know, it's common. Be like, I got to go, you know, take care of this and that at the bank. Cool. It'll take me five minutes. So you run in there. He's out in the vehicle. And you come back out, you know, not a big deal. Or they'll go sometimes in with you if they got the same bank or whatever. And definitely for, like, lunch, you figure out where you're going to eat or breakfast, blah, 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 or dinner, depending on your work shift or schedule. And this is funny. I go in there, and somehow he found – this is back when you could put, like, a JPEG with voices on – you could send a picture, but it was like a JPEG where it would – you know, a GIF. I guess a GIF. Right. Yeah, yeah, GIF. Yeah. yeah. But th this was like a you virus. You put voices on those? Because that's just a video, isn't it? Maybe that. I don't know really what it is, but <laughs> it just has a voice and thing. And this was like a virus. Okay. And it was, um, I'm standing in line at the bank, totally quiet. And all of a sudden, you know, your phone would back in the day go ding, ding. And then you'd lift it up and you'd answer it. And... All of the phones back then had real shitty speakers. You could barely hear on them. And I'll never forget, you could hear a pin drop in that bank. And I flip it up. I'm like, okay, I'm looking. It's a message. So I click the message. And all of a sudden, it's George Bush and uh, Osama bin Laden. And George Bush, it's a homosexual act that George Bush is doing to Osama bin Laden. And in the loudest, dude, the loudest voice, and I'm not shitting you, look at me, I'm looking at gay porn. Look at me, I'm looking at gay porn. <laughs> I'm trying to shut the damn thing off. It wouldn't shut off. It wouldn't turn down. Nothing was working. I finally flipped the back because it had this little uh, pull-out knob thingy that you twist, and then the battery, you pull it out. 
that's what stopped it. And I went out there and the message came from him. I was like, you son of a bitch. And by that time I'd already decided I was leaving that agency and going to contract. So that that's just a funny story about him. He got me that way. So he was a jokester. He was a fucking jokester. And uh, that's just the kind of hijinks people get up to. It's it's kind of low, though, man. Yeah. You're standing in a bank. I'm around all these regular people. My hair is kind of long. I kind of look dirty. You know, I look like I don't know what I look like, actually. And I didn't look like the most upstanding person in the world. And then all of a sudden my phone rips open with, look at me. I'm looking at gay porn and I'm like mortified. So the people around you are like, well, that explains that. Yeah. They're, they're all looking at me, man. Everybody. I mean, even the ones in the office and the tellers and shit, they're all, all eagle eyeing me. And then I go up to the teller and she's just laughing. I said, yeah, it's my buddy. He did this to me. I'll get him. And you know I, that's I, funny that that kind of something similar happened to me when I used to work at a travel agency in 2004. Right. And, uh, like four or five of my buddies who uh, became travel agents because I got them, you know, jobs there. And uh, two of them, uh, when they were really bored because it was kind of slow, rainy, we weren't getting a lot of calls, and uh, they decided to play a prank on me when I went out for lunch. And at the time, my girlfriend was uh, working with there also. And we went out, had lunch, and when I get back, I uh, turn on my computer, which is in the main office, in view of the entire staff. And I, I was one of the supervisors, mind you, with 15 agents under me. So I was literally, uh, my seat, my desk, was right next to the owner, Jason Squalante, good guy. And, uh, you know, my, my table's right next to his, so he could see everything that's happening, and I'm sure he was in on it, uh, but he was a really cool dude, and he, like, he, he overlooked a lot of shenanigans, and uh, when I get back, you know, and I'm like, you know, telling the uh, the guys and the gals who were under me at the time, I was like, look, we got to hit this and this, and, you know, this is our target numbers for the week, and we need to make sure you're talking about this resort and this and that, because we were putting... Uh, travel together airline and, and resorts so i was kind of going over the game plan and I, I sit back and i see my two friends on the corner like cracking up and i'm like why are these doofuses laughing because i've known them for you know since high school these are all good you know good friends of mine and i turn on the screen on my computer and there's got to be on the screen uh casual what i would say was the most gigantic uh a humongous uh black cock i've ever seen in my life and uh, it was by a gentleman who was also of the African-American uh, descent. Uh, and this was covering my screen as a form of wallpaper. And, uh, again, with the owner right there, and he looked over and he was like, well, that's a big one. And I, I looked at it and I was, like, mortified. And then everybody started going, what? And everybody started looking over. And there, sure enough, behind the little trash icon on my computer was a gigantic picture of a human penis with a uh, background that had a lot of homosexual activity going on. And sure enough, my two friends were cracking up in the corner because they did it. And uh, when I opened up uh, the the browser to pick a, you know, another image real quick to replace and remove that one, I started panicking. And I opened up my browser, sure enough, homepage, gay porn. And I'm like, God damn it, these guys. 
and uh, and it was embarrassing uh, to say the least. Uh, but once you know, I was in on the joke that everybody was kind of in on the joke. It just it became a joke. But uh, for a few seconds there, I actually contemplated killing people. I really thought that, you know, oh, you yeah. know, this yeah might be something to thinning the herd. You know? Oh yeah, I, I remember the days of uh, all what do you call those where you would just put uh, uh, layovers on the screen and you would shoot it up on a wall. It was before you really had the uh, uh, technology for um, oh what we used to. I can even still make them powerpoints, but before that you just had overlays that laid on a screen or you know a screen and it projected up on a wall or a screen your bullet points or whatever for a meeting or something. And uh, I remember many times somebody bringing in, this is back in the beginning of the computer days before you could do the PowerPoint stuff. And you would have those idiots that would, uh, and this would have been what the end of 99, I guess. And uh, you'd have somebody that went back home and probably waited all night for this thing to print out. You know, you could print out pictures and whatnot. And you could print out those films, too, that way. And it, damned if it wasn't the picture of a girl doing an unnatural act with a dog. And uh, Oh, those it was, just it was on this. Yeah, it was on this other dude's, uh, you know, uh, power, not PowerPoint, but, you know, the, the I can't even remember the name of it now, but it's that where you put the overlay down. And he just didn't check his overlay, and he just picked the one on the top and put it down. Well, it was substituted by another dude, and oh, there was much merriment and mirth. And one of the dudes that were in the uh, room with me, he happened to be an Indian, American Indian. And he's like, that girl ain't good for no man no more. <laughs> and we all started rolling, and dudes like grabs it and throws it in the bin, you know, the, to uh, the trash can. And he, he looks out and goes, I'm going to find out who did it. But he was an older dude. He was, you know, he was whatever he was. But, uh, yeah, I remember that. That was funny as hell back in the day. But, yeah, that's the kind of hijinks you do when you're totally bored and you're trying to, you know, get through a slow uh, day at the office or something. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not really much coming in. There's not a lot of action to do. And it's rare in that in that agency but it was uh you would have those days and you'd have those corporate cram downs what they now force the uh, critical race theory down your throat or cultural marxism you know through uh, uh that you would have to sit through the same kind of shit in the federal government even back then opaque projectors that was what it was called an opaque opaque projector it had the light on the bottom shown up. There was a glass, and it had another glass to push it out onto the screen. That's exactly what that was that uh, dude had substituted that photo on. That was the name of that device. It's funny how I dropped the, dropped the name of it. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting old, and my memory sucks. But I, I do remember that event, and it was hilarious because it was one of those type of things where it was probably an ethics, a federal government ethics class or something like that. You know, something stupid. You know, you need them. I mean, it's valuable yeah. to have real ethics classes. But, man, I, even contracting for the U.S. government in 09, I was like, I'll never work directly for the U.S. government again. 
because it, it just became, even back then, a shit show. You know what oh, I mean, yeah. brother? Yeah. So that's some uh, scary shit to talk about. Well, well imagine, well, uh, here's scary, imagine being in an office after, you know, the stuff I went through and uh, uh, for the next few months of being, hey, uh, so uh, gay porn, huh? Just comment, yeah. random uh, people commenting. And and uh, immediately when you're going through the event, uh, you, you have people coming by me and, and telling your girlfriend, so do you know your boyfriend's into gay porn? <laughs> That's never fun. <laughs> That's nice. That's classic. <laughs> That's as bad as, this is a funny story. This is back in my Marine Corps days. Uh, going through Lackland Air Force Base at uh, San Antonio. For At that time, the Marine Corps Military Police School was there. And uh, we had the Commandant of the Marine Corps, Al Gray, finally get it moved from there to McClellan. And now it's at uh, where it should have never left McClellan. But uh, for McClellan, Alabama, that's a defunct base. It got bracked in 99. Uh, base re- realignment and closure is what brack means. Anyways, um, that was an awesome base because in the Army, that's where I went through MP school. So anywho... What ends up happening is um, um, they had, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, at Lackland. I started talking about McClellan, and I was like, that's not what I'm talking about. So I didn't know how I got there. Anyways, so one of the things when you're going through MP school, the uh, recruits that were getting ready to graduate would take you out. They'd drive, and you'd go hit the bars at the uh, Riverwalk in San Antonio, and everybody'd go drinking at like uh, Dick's Den was one of the names of the place, or and uh, the Rendezvous. Both of those bars were down there on there, and they were decent bars, and they were nice, and you know you could pick up girls and whatnot. But you didn't know that the first time the other classes, hey, come on, man, you ain't got to drive today. I'll drive you. So you're like, cool, man, that's cool. So you go out there, and you got a designated driver and everything, and then. They'd be like, hey, man, uh, they'd take you down on 6th Street or 6th Ward. I can't remember what they called it. And uh, that's where all the prostitutes hang out. And I'm looking at all the prostitutes, and I'm like, oh, they're all fat and dumpy. And you were supposed to get a picture taken with a prostitute. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this is hazing. So we're going to get hazed this way. So it's like, okay, I'll get a picture. It doesn't bother me. Everybody does it. So. I'm the last dude because I'm like, I'm not seeing anybody to get a picture with. So we drive around the block again, and there's a real tall woman, uh, blonde-haired, skinny as a rail, probably looking back on it. I'll, once I tell you, I'll tell you what it probably was. And uh, I'm I, like, yeah, I'll get a Yeah, I'm not anticipating to find out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got into, I got out of the vehicle. I said, can I get a picture with your man? She's like. Mm, just nods, you know, and I'm like, cool. So there I am, cheesy-ass fucking grin, arm over the shoulder, because I'm like, yeah, I know, this is a haze. Then uh, they take the picture. I, uh, She said something, and I'm like, huh? Can you and your friends give me and my friend a ride down the street because we have to go home? And I see the Adam's apple, and I'm like, it's a dude, and I jumped into the car. These motherfuckers couldn't wait to get over to the fucking uh, place to develop that film. They had that film made into a poster size, and it was in Iwo Jima Hall <laughs> as a poster with me, cheesy-ass smile, arm around it. I still have that picture to this day. 
And of course they gave me the picture, but yeah, the, the poster I tore down, but not before, uh, the Colonel saw it, who was in charge of our detachment and a provost sergeant. And I got questioned over it and I said, here's what happened. And they just laughed and they go, Oh, they got you. But this is the first time we've seen a poster up and that poster looked an awful lot like a man. I said, sir, I can confirm that. And, uh, but it didn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> until until after that picture was snapped and i told him they it, they laughed and after that i was called the it hunter so uh because we used to call them she it's you know instead of being transsexuals we just said oh it's a she it you know because it doesn't know what it is but that was just back in the 80s when nobody had this cultural marxist in, in, uh, indoctrination but it was funny to get razzed about it because, you know, you don't care. It's like, what abs? I know you guys are just busting balls, and that's what we do in this world. When men get together, like it or don't like it, uh, lefties, whether you're male, female, or a trans, whatever, uh, men get together, even homosexual men will get together and bust each other's balls. That's kind of what men do. And uh, it offends the sensibilities of women. And sorry, we can't be, uh, you know, always effeminate men. You know what I'm saying, Angel? We got to be dudes. Um, my whole life, I've known what you meant by that. I, I, it, it's funny because uh, somebody made the assumption once because I wear, you know, glasses to you know the ones that I wear. They were like, "Yeah, hey, you're just some soft punk liberal," and I'm like, <laughs> "Little did you know." I'll bust you That's in your right. face, son. That's you right, no baby. <laughs> I know. Don't let the cover fool you. I will kick your ass, mother. And, uh, you know, people uh, tend to do that. But, uh, you know, you have to be tough. You can't be a, a little soft snowflake in a very cruel world. Uh, that's, you know, why uh, I've really, the last few years, I've grown to appreciate our president because he has this, and talking about orange skin, He's got the thickest skin I've ever seen on a human being for the shit he takes on a daily basis. My goodness. Uh, that would make most people just, uh, you know, not want to run again. And uh, here he is, you know, fighting all kinds of enemies and still going at it. And uh, you kind of have to be that way in this world. You have to be uh, it's something that Tupac put in his uh, in his record back in the day. It's me against the world. You have to have that mentality and you got to be tough. You can't be a pussy, you know? Oh, yeah, everybody forgets. Donald Trump is a classic business Democrat. He's not a Republican at all. He's He, he goes by the Republican moniker, but he has classic Democrat um, values that used to— There was a time, Angel, I remember this, in the 80s under Reagan, Bush, even under Clinton, uh, Bush W. to a lesser extent— uh, but under Obama, it started to change. And uh, Clinton tried to change it. A lot of people say that, and I always have to correct them, when political correctness first came into the vernacular, they're, they'll always say it was Clinton. And I'm like, no, it was George Bush's speech where he goes, we need a kinder, gentler, more politically correct society. And that was Senior that said that. And you could start seeing the creep then. You know, the creep of cultural Marxism. And uh, you look at who's funding uh, Biden right now. 
I mean, this is scary. You know, all these people that think they're punk rock and they're going against the system, man. Just like, you know, I was a rebel without a clue, too, when I was a young man in the army. And I quickly learned what reality was. But the point is, um, Biden's donors have all been corporate Wall Street, where Trump's uh, they just uh, published who the donors were for both Trump and Biden. And Trump's got those $5, $1, $10, $25 for the majority from people. I mean, when when you see this kind of a push, a deep state push, which you and I have talked about ad infinitum, I don't think everybody wants to hear how I know about the deep state and all that crap. But, you know, we talked about this back in 2015 off air. And I did shows on this back in the day, too. And I saw this shit coming. And uh, if people don't realize what they're looking at, they say every election, I'm so sick of hearing elections have consequences and that this is the most vital election of our time. For the first time in my life, I know this is the most important election of our lifetime. And I'm glad we're having this election because it's showing that Biden ain't running anything. The 25th Amendment that Pelosi's starting, that's not to get Trump. That's so that she can pull out Biden and your next president, whether you want her or not, will be Kamala Harris. If you vote for the Democrats, you're not going to have a Biden presidency and not for long, at least he's going to be deemed, you know, bad on mental capacity and they're going to bounce his ass out. And guess who's going to be the president? Kamala. So you have your 46th and 47th president in quick succession. And um, scary. That's my point on it. What's your thoughts? Scary. One word. Scary. Yeah. Uh, basically, you're talking about somebody who was uh, dead last in polling when it came to the Democratic uh, you know, nomination, uh, or at least as close as dead last as you can get. And she is literally a heartbeat away, and maybe just a mental gaff away from being the president of the United States. And this is a person, you want to talk about racism, she and, you know, Joe Biden also, but her family directly comes from a family of slave owners. And uh, she used the same crime bills that Joe Biden put into play in 86 and 93 that uh, tore black families apart for, you know, the last uh, three decades. We're talking about, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of black communities and homes that had their father or mother in, in put in prison for petty crimes, first-time offenses, uh, little things like, you know, being caught with a joint or something like that, you know, where normally you'll get maybe 10 days, uh, and, and, and that's being kind of like, even that's a little stringent, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, on something very petty, you know, they're smoking a joint, why are you going to give them 30 years? But that's the kind of thing they were after, and they're literally after young black American males, uh, Joe Biden even said it, you know, that he doesn't want his kids growing up in a racial jungle. And just think yes, about that. And these that are the was... people that the left want to put into power, claiming that Trump is the racist. I, I don't get that. Well, when he did that, if you remember, that movie Jungle Fever came out. That was in the 90s. And, um, you know, that's he. that was a direct reference to that movie. And also yeah, people correct. forget that uh, yeah. the jungle thing, you know. Uh, the one thing that boggles the mind, and I believe you and I talked about it on your show before you ever let me gave me the opportunity to come on PSN, 
but I said Hillary Clinton will bo-weevil herself into the presidency, and I don't doubt that if Kamala Harris is made president, Hillary Clinton will be the vice president. And I'm telling you, it's going to get ugly, and uh, we're going to become a banana republic if this happens, if they get their way. So folks, get out and vote. I don't care who you vote for, but vote. I'd prefer you vote for Trump, but in all honesty... If you don't vote, your voice is not heard, and it's a damn shame if it's not. And, uh, you know, this is an honest uh, this is an honest election on one part. You have business, i.e. democracy, and literal democracy, the Democrat, Democratic Republic, uh, versus a communist republic. Because, remember, communist republics also call themselves the GDR, the, well, the... DDR in German, Deutsches Demokratisch Republic, is the German Democratic Republic. That was East Germany. And so was the Polish Republic. So was the Hungarian Republic. So all of these former Soviet satellites always called themselves Democratic Republics. And uh, the USSR, United Soviet Socialist Republic. So, you know, but you have an actual business capitalist Democratic Republic, which is what the U.S. is, and then you have Communist Socialist Republic, and that's what you're looking at right now, brother, and it's an honest election in that way. We're going to take a choice as to what this country is going to be and what it will become, and that's a fact. Your thoughts? No, it's uh, it's scary, but it's accurate. I mean, that's exactly what this country is becoming, and uh uh, you know, when you look at the people that are positioned in in Congress, for example, uh, you know, you wonder, and this is, you know, for people who are not aware, by the way, who, who think that, you know, we're, you know, crackpots. Think about this. We've gone from a country where uh, we knew that, you know, the people in the Middle East caused 9-11 to now Congress is mostly being taken over by the people who we thought caused 9-11. And that's something that when you look at that, you're like, well, how did that happen? Well, that's the Trojan horse. They weren't winners of their seats. They picked the easiest positions and, and the easiest spots to be able to, to go into those cities and take over our areas. And if you think that ballot harvesting or rigged elections are, are you know, a conspiracy, uh, no, it, this you know, this happens, and this happens often. Uh, how do you think Omar, uh, Elon Omar got into her seat? How do you think AOC got into her seat? Uh, the fix has been in for years, and they have been infiltrating the society for the last decade plus in a, in a way that they could not even have done before, but it's opened up because of Obama because of what, you know, the the negligence, I would say the negligence of George Bush, but more like he was sold out to these people also. And uh, he allowed it, Clinton allowed it, Obama forced it through, and Hillary Clinton was the expander of that Trojan horse. And that's why Trump is so hated, because he put a, a, a big monkey wrench into their plans, and he's doing something that is completely exposing and draining the swamp. And now we're seeing it for ourselves that Big Orange Man was actually the honest one the entire time. And the people that you thought were telling you the truth, the media, 
were lying to you and they were all complicit with a lot of this stuff. And what I love is, is that it's not just a conspiracy against one man that's been exposed. Hollywood has been exposed. We're seeing sports exposed. We, you know, yep. All these people are eating themselves alive, and we've said it over and over again. Look at the ratings. Look at the, the people that are not looking at sports anymore. They used to love sports. Everything is down because people are waking up. More and more people are taking that red pill and are completely saying, you know what, I want out of the Matrix because they're seeing that they have been led to the slaughter. And it's funny that it's the red pill that's waking you up and not the blue pill when it's red communist China that's leading the march from behind the scenes along with the Muslim Brotherhood and a lot of other people that are all into this thing, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. I mean, they wanted to make the good old boys, the proud boys, into white supremacists. They're led by a black Cuban guy right now. I know. I know. Not a very, that's not a very white supremacist, if you ask me. But, hey, what, what do I know? They also have people of the alphabet community in there. Not very white yeah. supremacist. So, no. I mean, but the media will tell you whatever you want. And I had this argument uh, a day ago. Or a couple of days ago with somebody on uh, Facebook where they're like, Proud Boys are nothing but white supremacists. And I'm like, you idiot. That's been debunked over and over again. And he's like, oh, I've seen the footage, but I still think they're white supremacists. And I'm like, okay, then there's no hope in stupid. That's, you know, that's yeah. just what you are. You can't fix stupid. That yeah. That's a fact. Ignorance can be fixed. Uh, stupid is forever. Uh, and it's a choice, by the way. Being stupid is a choice. Uh, one of the things that always blows me away is you look at people like Tim Pool, Dave Rubin, all these lefties, and uh, they're now voting for Trump. And they're saying because they may not like everything he does, but his actions are speaking louder than his words because he said he was going to do this, and he did it. He said he was going to do this, and he did it. He's pulled us out of the Middle East. He's actually gone around the Palestinian speed bump of getting peace in the Middle East by having the UAE, by having other countries, including looks like Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is going to break to have peace with Israel. And that's going through, not going through the Palestinians, which remember, every time there was going to be an Arab uh, peace accord, except for the one with uh, Jordan and with Egypt, um, you had to go th through the Palestinians. You'd always see those pictures of Yasser Arafat back in the day with his six-gun on the White House lawn with Jimmy Carter or whoever the president was at that time, you know, as the years went through while that bag of grabastic garbage we would allow in, who was a terrorist. And it was always the Palestinian question. Well, they're Transjordans, first of all. They're not even Palestinians. Uh, there's, no, there's never been a nation over there. The closest you can get is the Philistines. There's never been a Palestine in, in uh, the Arab world until recently. And Eugene McCarthy nailed this. He said back in the day, uh, Senator Eugene McCarthy, they used to call him Tell Gunner Joe, acting like that was a slight on his military service. Well, he still had to fly X amount of flights over Germany, and uh, those birds were getting knocked out left and right back then by the German birds. And uh, being a tail gunner was not a safe place because, shit, you get shot down, 
you might get stuck in that tailgate position, and you're going down with that plane. So that you know that was not they just anybody that might be patriotic or something. And he listed back then how it started. It was Frankfurt School. They seeped into Columbia, which infected all of academia. It went out west to Berkeley and all that stuff. And it got into the Hollywood intelligentsia. And so you had, you've always had this East Coast West flyover country to these folks. You know, they're the ones who look down on everybody else. And uh, Trump, for being a billionaire, has actually got a working man's soul, in my opinion. And that's the only thing I'm an expert on. People can disagree, but we can agree to disagree. Your thoughts? Thoughts on that, brother? Because I know we're getting close, and probably down here for you. No, that's uh, good enough for me. I completely agree, and I will not disagree. <laughs> I think you're on the money. Yeah, same man. I mean, but the American people look, folks. Uh, Obama, we're such a racist country. We elected and reelected Obama two times, and we'll he wouldn't have out. gotten elected. Yeah, he wouldn't have gotten elected if it was just a black and Hispanic vote. There had to be a lot of whites voting for him, mm-hmm. too. So no, that, That's one thing know. that people forget. Uh, they, they forget that the uh, white individuals uh, also uh, were the ones, uh, in the white Republicans, by the way, were the ones who gave women the yep. right to vote. Uh, they're the ones that yep. freed the slaves. Uh, they're the yep. ones that ended Jim Crow laws. Um, yep. They're the ones that marched for the Civil Rights Movement, along with Martin Luther King, who was a Republican. Um, and yep. Mar- Malcolm X spoke heavily against the liberals, especially the liberal male like Joe Biden, and how they're a snake in the grass. But yet, somehow, it goes right over the head of a lot of these people, and they think that it's the other way around. And it's just, again, it's uh, Marxism, indoctrination, stupidity, a mixture of everything that maybe some of the medication they've been feeding people over the years. I don't know what it is, but it's an illness of the mind, and uh, it's scary considering the times we're in. And uh, we're very short on time, speaking of which, so I'm going to let you go ahead and do the honors and wrap it up, my friend. No problem, my brother. And as always, you never know where this show's going to go. When I open that oral cavity in my mouth, and sometimes it's me and Angel, and this has been an excellent talk. And thank you for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. And and, uh, what I'll do to close down Castle Talk Radio is as you're sipping your coffee, tea, soda, and adult libation, you're slowly meandering on out of Kaiser's Castle. I'll slowly raise the drawbridge, and I'd say... Shuff out. Mm-hmm.